If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Engulf me in those flames. I want to feel the hot, hot, hot breath of the fireplace all over my supple body. Wow. That was pretty poetic. Get a little more. Yeah. You like that. Sensual there. 50 shades of gray going on over here. I like how you brought a bearskin rug in too. That was a new. Well, that that's I for feel the playoffs, like, right? I feel like you can't have a proper fire without that bearskin rug. Yeah, in and there. I, you know what? I like the idea of beefing things up for the playoffs. You know, I, it's a special time do of a year. Yeah, you got to be special a for a special time of year. Let's focus on the NFC side of things here in this first episode, this first Fireside Friday. We've got okay. three matchups mm-hmm. on the NFC side, and we'll just go in order. Saturday, 4.30 p.m. I can't wait, dude. I can't wait. We are so close to playoff football. Seahawks, Niners. It's a 10-point spread right now. I think that's pretty steep, to be honest with you. I I think there's Mm -hmm. familiarity here. Last time Purdy played the Seahawks a few weeks back, 21-13. San Francisco won the game, so they didn't exactly, you know, blow them out of the water. In fact, the problem in that game was Seattle couldn't figure out the San Francisco defense. That was the biggest holdup for the Seahawks. And I think that's predictably going to become the biggest problem for them in this game, too. They just might not be able to score as many points. But I think old Grandpa Pete is going to have a little something for the the Mr. Irrelevant quarterback that he's already seen once, limited to 21 points. And I know that they lost twice to the San Francisco 49ers this year. But Pete's been pretty good against Shanahan in the past since they've started crossing paths with Shanahan taking the Niners' job. It's it's like a weird rock, paper, scissors thing's going on with that division where, like, the Seahawks beat the Niners and play the Niners really tough. And then, and then the, Niners the Niners beat lose. the Rams a yeah, lot, yeah. except for that championship game right. last year where the Rams finally got off the schneid there. But then the Rams always smoke the Seahawks. So, like, these teams just kind of go... In circles with each other, or at least they had until the Rams just fell off a cliff this year. Oh, my God. I mean, that was supposed to be the Seahawks falling off the cliff, by the way, not the Rams. And the Cardinals did so. So it's at the beginning of the year, you thought the Rams would be nine and eight playing this game and not the Seahawks. I I believe at the beginning of the year, you and I both had the Rams as our NFC West division division winner. Yeah. Uh, but that is not the case. They're a terrible team. The Seahawks get in as the seventh seed. And and again, Jacob, I'm picking the Niners to win this game. I think the Niners do win this game. But I think it's going to be a little bit of a headache for the uh, faithful in Santa Clara, California at Levi Stadium. I, it's not going to be easy sledding in this one. I disagree. 
You think they'll win by more than ten? I think the defense. That's where, the that's San where Francisco I think they, defense. Yes, that's is where the I think they maker. rise up and win no matter what. I I mean Brock Purdy, unless he has like a five turnover day, I don't see the Seahawks really making this competitive. Just because I believe that that Niners defense can completely humble Geno Smith. I mean, hard to humble a guy who was a second round pick many years ago for the Jets. Found his way onto a couple of different teams, and then found his way into Seattle. Threw for four thousand yards, threw for thirty or er, thirty touchdowns. Hard to humble that guy, but I think that the Niners' defense is that good that they can really take advantage of a guy who doesn't have, a, I think, any playoff experience. Correct? No playoff experience for Geno Smith. No, none. Yeah, he's never made the playoffs before, so. Yeah, he's playing kind of from the same spot that Brock Purdy is when you think of it like that. And I think this game, too, playing at home, you were 8-1 and one at home if you were the Niners. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, they swept the Seahawks this season. Brock, This isn't the game where you need, you have to say, okay, Brock, you got to do this for us. If you, don't, if you can't, then we're probably going to lose this game. Hand it off to McCaffrey a dozen times. Uh Hand it off to Debo Samuel an additional dozen times. Do your your quick passes over the middle to George Kittle. Um, I don't see this as a game that Brock Purdy can lose for the Niners. Maybe not 10 points. 10 points is a lot. The only reason I would say it's not 10 is because the Niners' offense doesn't put it up. But again, Tom, it's hard for me to say that. I don't know if they can put up you know that many points because you look at what they've done down the stretch, 38 against the Cardinals. Uh, 37 against the Raiders, 37 against the Commies, 35 against the Bucks defense, which is really good, 33 against the Dolphins, 38 against the Cardinals a while back, 31 against the Rams. I mean, they this is not just a defensive team, right? It's not just one side of the football where they're dominant and the other side kind of doesn't have to keep them going. They're dominant on both sides of the ball. Again, this is a team where if you had Jimmy G playing, you'd say, you wouldn't question that ten point line if it were Jimmy G playing. It'd no, probably I be it'd probably be something that. like a thirteen point line. Uh, maybe I would question it. I don't know. See, I, I'm not so much more like I'm not so I'm not leaning on the Seahawks covering and making it close because of Purdy and what the Niners are. It's just more of I really respect Pete Carroll. I think this team has surprised people all year long. This is now the third time that they're going to get to play this team. Mm-hmm. He is going to have something up his sleeve to make life hard on Mr. Irrelevant. I, I just know he is. But I think the key is if Kenneth Walker can't get anything going on the ground, which I don't think he will. I don't think he can. Then I think the not the offense for Seattle becomes very predictable. Right. And although Geno drops dimes, I mean dimes, if he's got to beat you solely through the air, I think that's a good spot to be in if you're the defense. Yeah, you make them one-dimensional, and you and you take away any kind of, I don't know, any kind of variety to that offense, right? Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm leaning Niners in this game for sure, and it will be very encouraging for people like me, I think people like you, San Francisco fans, who kind of feel like they're the best team in this tournament right now. If Brock Purdy comes out in his first playoff game against the division rival and they win this thing like 31 to 17 or something like that or 24 to 10, the more he wins, the more you see him check off boxes, the more comfortable you get with him. So, like, mm-hmm. he gets that first playoff win under his belt and he does it relatively comfortably. Then all of a sudden, those, 
yeah, I think the Niners are the best team in the league, but does he throw an interception against Philadelphia in Philadelphia that costs them the game? Does Dallas end up playing them at some point, and does he cost them the game with a bad play there? Those start to fall further and further away from my train of thought the more he shows up and shows out. So this is a huge, huge test for Brock Purdy. If he can show that same calm demeanor that he has all year long when you know the games really start to count and the players start to hit a little bit harder on that defensive side of the ball, then I think you really will feel some confidence moving forward throughout this tournament. Because that's the one thing about the Niners, man, that – that just mm-hmm. makes you nervous. Is him? If if it yeah, was any... but I think the Seattle. I mean, when you think about it, the Seattle defense no, yeah. isn't isn't what it used to be. The Seattle game aside, like this is a great first matchup. I think for him, aside from the fact that it's a divisional opponent, that's the only thing going against Pete Carroll, him. who's Pete Carroll, been around opponent. for a long time. But as far as you know, would you rather play the Lions? Would you rather play the Packers? I think I'd probably Seattle rather play the Seattle. best one that you yeah. could get because that, that cut that familiarity thing cuts both ways. Absolutely. Not only does Seattle have familiarity, with the, Niners the Niners are saying we beat you twice. We know how to beat. We you. know how to beat you. Yeah. So uh, again, though, if he if he goes out and plays well against the Seahawks team, and that stage isn't too big for him then I would feel really confident moving forward. I'm going to say this, Tom. I'm not going to pick against the Niners until it's the NFC Championship game and it's not the Philadelphia Eagles uh, playing against them. If it's if it's anybody else against the Niners, I don't know if I'll pick against them until the Super Bowl. I don't think I'm going to be differing from you on that point. The only team would be the Eagles that would really get But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If somehow the Eagles get upset before that round where they would meet for the first time in the NFC Championship game... Then I would say I don't care who they're gonna. I don't care if this team, this surprise team, just beat the number one, number one team in the NFL, right, with the best record, or tied, because Kansas City and Philly both finished with three losses. Still, I'm not gonna pick that that up and coming surprise team, that Cinderella team against the Niners. And- what what happens to the to the lore of the NFL? If Mr. Irrelevant makes it to the Super Bowl. Oh, it's one of the greatest stories in NFL history. If he makes it and wins because, the Super Bowl, I mean Because I I think there are only there's a, a there's, there's a a few amount of quarterbacks who have won a game starting as a rookie in the NFL in, in the in the play in the history of the playoffs. There's a small, small handful of rookie quarterbacks who have won more than one game in the NFL in their in their rookie season in the postseason. But we know there's never been a rookie quarterback to ever get to the Super Bowl. And for that let matter, alone, win the Super Bowl, yeah. Let alone Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what's so crazy to me is right. that it's Mr. Irrelevant that's doing this. You, you could never have predicted this in a What would you years. what would you think is the more exciting story? If he was Mr. Irrelevant or undrafted. someone else who t- got taken with that last pick and they had to pick him up? as an undrafted rookie free agent because of the quarterback situation that San Francisco was facing. Mr. Irrelevant or undrafted? Well, here's the funny thing about Mr. Irrelevant. You know I worship at the altar of Kyle Brandt, and he has a great take about Mr. Irrelevant where he's not Mr. Irrelevant. No, as soon as you deem him Mr. Irrelevant, he's relevant. He gets like a car. like He gets all these fanfare. We all know who Brock Purdy is. And then I don't even remember his name, but he named in this segment the – Second to last pick of the draft, and he was like, "That's that's Mr. Mr. Irrelevant. That's the guy right. that no one because no one talks remembers. about him." Um, it would be more impressive if he was doing it as an undrafted guy, but I think the fact that he has the moniker Mr. Irrelevant it with adds him, it to just it. Adds yeah, to the lore. I agree. I'm gonna I'm gonna side with you. The on mystique that one. of mm-hmm. it. Right. And essentially, if you're Mr. Irrelevant, you're one pick away from being an undrafted, undrafted rookie. 
If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. 4.30 p.m. on Sunday is when the next NFC game kicks off, and I actually think this is the game I'm most looking forward to because I think it's going to be the closest game we on have. On the NFC side or just actually, in, in the weekend? The Monday night game might be a close game as well, but those two are the ones that I look at overall on the weekend and say they have the potential to be the closest because there's too many injuries. dealing in, On the AFC side of things, there's too many injuries involved mm-hmm. with these games. We'll get to those in the next Fireside Friday episode, though. Giants-Vikings. Vikings are three-point favorites. I think that's fitting because just three, four weeks ago, the Vikings won by three points at their home Not stadium. Not just by a three points, by a miraculous three points. 61-yard field goal. That's not— A miracle? I don't know. That's not—I the. I mean, it doinked in. Yeah. Remember. But a dome stadium, you should get it to the okay. point where you can at least doink it in if you're an NFL kicker. Just say not every kicker can hit 60-yard field goals. But what do you think about the Vikings usually having that doink out? For some reason, this 2022 Vikings team finds a way to win those games, finds a way right. to doink in. Right. They, they have been impressive in one-possession games. However— all right, Stephen A. Smith, lay it on me. However, however, I we we've seen them kind of crumble and fall when it when it gets to the opponent can really run away with things. Granted, the exception to that was the Colts game where they jumped out to that that halftime lead, and obviously the Vikings came back. I'm not saying the Giants are going to run out the gates and and have this 14 nothing lead in the fourth quarter, but. To me, Tom, I agree with the point that you were trying to make about this is going to be a close game because I don't know who has the edge in this game. I think that uh, I'm leaning towards the Giants being my upset pick of the first round, and I love the Vikings. You know I love my... I'm a big Vikings guy. You see the horns growing okay, out of my head. So so you said the upset. I'm going to just fine-tune that a bit. Just... When you say upset, because you're going to say road team versus away team. No, I'm just going to say because of the spread. You okay. Know, how you usually determine upsets. Well, I'll, okay. All right, that's fine. <laughs> then never mind. I'll ignore what I have to say then. Because I think there's going to be a couple of upsets, there's, but there's, by different definitions here. Well, Throughout the weekend. Okay. Well, for Giants-Vikings, I just think the Giants, Dable's a hell of an offensive mind. I think he's going to scheme some things up to go at. like The Giants' offense is subpar, I think. It's got yeah, a stud it's, and Saquon, it's Saquon and, and Danny a bunch Dimes of other run, There'll be a game or two where Danny Dimes is good, running the football. Yeah, I mean, he played well. He can run the ball. Yeah, he played well. I think it was just two weeks ago when they had to beat the Colts. He had an unbelievable game. Granted, it was against the Colts, but the Colts, still, he had a really yeah. good game for the Giants, and he helped them clinch a playoff spot uh, for the first time in several years. So I think Dable's going to have a little something-something for the Vikings defense. I think he's going to put up points early scheme-based. And it really depends to me, Jacob, on will the real Minnesota Vikings stand up and who are well, the real Minnesota Well, who are the real Vikings? Minnesota Vikings? I'm glad you asked that follow-up because I don't know. If Kirk Cousins is on, if Justin Jefferson is on, they'll score enough points to beat the Giants. If those two struggle, if the Giants do a good job of if making Kirk's life a living there, hell, yeah. then I think things get a little hairy The defense, Minnesota. The defense is in a nightmare scenario for the Vikings. I mean, everyone's calling for that defensive coordinator to get fired after the season. Wink Martindale? Yeah. 
I don't. The only thing is, Tom, I don't know if the Giants' offense is good enough to exploit that weak Vikings defense. That's why I said I don't know who has the edge. Personnel-wise, I don't think they do, but yeah. I, I think they have a good mind behind things right. like Dable. Here's the thing. I know the postseason is supposed to have zero effect or zero influence on the season the season awards or the, the end of the season awards, but if Dable goes in and wins a playoff game on the road, that – for sure, locks him in to coach of the year, right? I mean, you're not supposed to do it that way, but, but you yeah. know, you know, there is some influence. I think he's locked in already because of the New York market versus the New Jacksonville York, yeah. market. They they just want to give it to a New York guy, even though the Jacksonville guy probably deserves it a little bit more. Uh, but I, at the same, you know, we're talking about Dable. He's so great. What a great rookie season. There's another rookie head coach on the very other sideline, and Kevin O'Connell, and he's had a really good season as well. I mean. You talked about that record in one-score games and how they're winning games that the Vikings have passed under Mike Zimmer and Brad Childress when he was their head coach. They lost. Man, you remember Brad back. Childress, the of bald course. head and yeah, the mustache? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They lost those games all the time to the point where it just became a thing around the NFL. Vikings lose close games. The Vikings will find a way to lose. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. They found a way to win a lot under Kevin O'Connell in his rookie year. So as much as I think Dable – was a little bit better as a rookie head coach, had a lot less to work with talent-wise than O'Connell did, and still got his team to this point, to this playoff game. O'Connell has had a really good season as well, and because they're playing each other, we're going to have a rookie head coach get a playoff win under his belt in his first season. There you go. And I I just don't know who's going to get it. I really don't. I mean, the Lions hit at three. The Vikings are 8-1 and one at home. So it is really tough to go in there and beat them this year. I guess teams so. have been close though. Like it's been close games at home this year, including that Giants game just a few weeks back that was one on a sixty-one yard field goal. So it is an eight and one record, but it's not exactly a fortress of solitude. I'd say in Minnesota, it's it's a winnable place, and the Giants the are four and is, four on the road, so that's an okay road record. And the weird thing is too, Tom, is that the Vikings' best win on the year came because it was on the road in Buffalo. Yeah, and I still don't know how Justin Jefferson caught that, made that pass. catch. That's multiple. I mean, the one, of course. The but one he made, was he made a lot of catches in that fourth quarter in overtime to really. I mean, just that completely wowed you. Yeah, so I mean, I I'm leaning towards Vikings again in this one, but I don't feel comfortable about it. I I, I it, it's just gonna. De- I think you'll know how this game will go in the first ten minutes because you'll be able to see which Vikings team showed up if. If Dalvin Cook's running the ball well and and they have a nice, you know, rhythm game going with Jefferson and Cousins, there's just not enough offense on the New York side mm-hmm. of things to keep up with that. But if the Vikings are shooting themselves in the foot offensively, if Saquon has a nice, you know, halfback screen that he takes 30 yards for a touchdown and get a nice 7 nothing lead, maybe you add out on a field, it's 10 nothing before you know it if you're Minnesota, then all of a sudden the Giants start to believe a little bit more right. that, hey, we can stop this offense, and, and then you get into trouble. So a fast start, I think, key for the Vikings. No, I How agree. About, if they win the coin toss, I'd take the ball. They're not going to because no one does, but I'd take the ball and score first. Just say we got we to gotta start early. Our offense is our best unit. Give me the ball. I'm going to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what they do. They won't, though, because everybody defers. Now, yeah. I now just wish that that would be a trend that gets bucked a little bit. Sometimes. You see it sometimes. sometimes. But, dude, it used to be given, give me the ball, right? Like, yeah. it used to be, I want the ball to start the game. I'm going to set the tone every single time. Yeah. And, and now it's just, eh. Whatever the other team wants, we're good with. We'll decide at halftime. I mean, if you're going to do it that way, why don't you, why even have the coin toss? Just, just, just give just, it. Just yeah. decide. 
Yeah. Home team gets the ball first. Sure. Like baseball. They go out to pitch first. They get the ball first every single time. And finally in the NFC, Monday night football. Monday night football. Cowboys, yeah, right. Buccaneers. Buccaneers, a two-and-a-half-point underdog at home in this game. They're the only under-500 team to be in this tournament at 8-9. and nine. They're 5-4 and four at home. The Cowboys, just like the Giants, are 4-4 four and four on the road this season, 12-5 and five overall. Dak Prescott has 15 interceptions on the season this year. That is tied with Davis Mills for the most in the league, and Dak Prescott played three less games than Davis Mills did. So his interception sorry, percentage is way, way high. Are the Dallas Cowboys the five seed in the NFC playoffs, and the Houston Texans are the number two team? Overall pick in the draft. Right. Should have been number one overall. I don't know why they did that. Hail Mary and why Lovey they decided Smith, to win that game. Lovey Smith just has loyalty to Chicago. That's why. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Loyalty to Chicago and maybe a little bit of an F you to Houston for I know I'm just a bridgier guy. Yeah, you're just gonna, gonna you're gonna anyway. fire me anyways. I'm gonna win this one on the yeah. way out the door. Uh so yeah, he's on the same level as a quarterback for the worst team, arguably, in the league, and played three less games than that quarterback on the worst team, arguably, in the league. So I don't feel good about the Cowboys in this game. I don't either. But that's I, why but I, said I do Tom, think they're gonna win. Like I oh, do see, think I they're disagree win. because when I when you were saying this is the Giants Vikings game could be could be your upset, there's two games that stick out to me: Cowboys at Bucks and and Chargers at Jags that we'll get to in our next episode when we cover the AFC side of things. But the home team is the underdog here. Yes, I love a good home dog too. They're always barking, right? Ruff, 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 ruff. And I might go with both home dogs. Who's the other home dog? Oh, the Jags. That's what the I said. Jags. That's what I said. The Jags and the, and the, the and Florida the Bucks, teams. The Florida teams. Uh, three Florida teams in the playoffs, by the way. All three of them. Very good year. Dolphins, for Jaguars, football. and Bucks. Yeah, how about that? Uh, but with this Bucks and, and Cowboys game, yeah, I know what you to mean. To me, I kind of felt that way all week too. Bucks are going to win. It's the goat. It's Tom Brady. But now it's this weird thing where everybody thinks that the Buccaneers are going to win. That I just think it's too obvious that the Cowboys uh. end up winning the game. I, I'll put it this way: If Dak can hold on to the ball, right. don't turn it over. And Pollard gets things going on the ground, and then Zeke spells them and has some good games himself. They'll win this game. They can control this game. Tampa Bay's not going to score an astronomical amount of points unless you give Brady short fields well, so and a lot of momentum, and it's close in the fourth quarter. You got to be up by double digits in the fourth quarter. Right. You do not want to be anywhere near a single digit spread in the fourth quarter. Kind of the opposite way that you said about the Giants and Vikings game. You can kind of tell where that game's going to go early on. If you're close, you're, you're going to have to wait for this game to unfold until the fourth quarter arrives to say, okay, is this close enough that Tom can rally his team to a game-winning drive? I want to be up by 10 at least with five minutes left in the game. I think you got to go more than that. <laughs> Honestly, okay, Tom, I, I really do. Up, I want to go up by 10 at least with five minutes left in the game, and I get the and ball you have the with ball. five minutes left yeah. in the game. Then I'd feel a little bit comfortable with it. But, yeah, you can't let him hang around because he doesn't die. So if you're eight points or less down the stretch and he has the ball, you might as well break out the rosary and start saying the prayers because he's probably going to get it into the end zone. And now you have to just stop a two-point conversion to hope that you stop him from tying the game. Now, I will bring up his final season in New England. And I, I'm saying this because people, a lot of people are saying this could be his final season in Tampa. I think it is. I think it is, too. I just don't know if he's going to retire. He's not going to retire. Go, he's going to go to Vegas or Vegas, something, Miami, right? Miami, I don't know. Uh, so, his final season with the Patriots. The Jets? They played, wow. They played <laughs> host of the Titans, remember? 
in the last they they lost that game. The Patriots lost to the Titans. And the last play he or the last pass he threw was an interception. So I'm not saying not only that, dude. It was a pick six. Yep. I'm not saying it's that's some trivia right there. Last thrown pass by a, as a Patriot by Brady. Tom Brady was a pick six. Yep. I'm not so don't be surprised if Brady does make a mistake. But I'm just not going to be on. I'm not going to say to myself, "Oh, he's done it once before. This is going to be the second time he's ever done it." Compared to the 50 times he's done it in a winning effort in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not going to be surprised if they do win the game, and I'm not going to be surprised if the Cowboys cowboy it up. But again, I just the, I'm zigging when people are zagging. Everybody's like, "This is the sexy pick, right?" Like, hey, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady's house. It's the Dallas Cowboys. They'll choke and lose. So I'm just going to go the opposite of that of Joe Public. I'm going to. I'm going to take the Cowboys to win a game that they should absolutely win. They, they are, should they are win. The I, just team. I just don't have the faith in the in that in that Dallas star. It's a tough thing to have faith in. Right. I'm not going to fault you at all for feeling strongly about the Buccaneers in that game. You can now listen to Steelers Nation Radio anytime, anywhere, through your smart speaker. All you do is say, hey, Alexa, play Steelers Nation Radio for my heart, and Alexa She's going to take care of the rest. All right, three games down on the NFC side, three games to go on the AFC side. Jacob Recht, Tom Opperman, we're going to break it all down uh, AFC-wise in the next segment and give you our triple play picks for the super wild card weekend. That's all on the way on the Steelers Standard. If everyone has lemonade stands, I think we can do it. These inspiring words were expressed by Alex Scott, the little girl who was battling childhood cancer and decided to have a lemonade stand in her own backyard to help fundraise for a cure. In honor of Alex and everyone fighting this disease, join ST Bank June 1st through the 8th at all bank branches for lemonade days. Enjoy treats and activities. Help us support research, awareness, and hope for these children and families in need. Let's make people our purpose and build a brighter future together. ST Bank, member FDIC. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer.